Glad to have everyone here. And as we get ready for uh, Sunday school, we're resuming our uh, our discussion on doctrines concerning the church. Um, we really appreciate. I really appreciate Ben uh, stepping in last week and giving us some things to think about, and uh, really helpful there. Um, um, as we wait for folks to come in, before we uh, begin with prayer, I want to I say a couple of things. You know, it's been once said that the problem with the church is that it's filled with sinners, right? Um, and that includes you and I, albeit saved by grace. Um, I, I came across this week an interesting uh, quote by Chesterton. Um, there, there's a lot going on in the whole passage. It's from his uh, book, Heretics. Um, but I'm just going to quote one particular line of it, in which he says, In a large community, we can choose our companions. In a small com- community, our companions are chosen for us. So um, with that, we're going to open up with a word of prayer. I'm going to explain this a little bit, and then we'll get into our uh, text out of the Westminster Confession. Our God and our Father, we give you praise. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for sending your Son, um, who was crucified for us, dead and buried resurrected and ascended all for our blessing all for our benefit all that our sins may be forgiven and that we would be made right and be restored in right fellowship with you bless us lord as we love our neighbors as you have loved us in jesus name amen um i i, I like this quote in general because obviously there are all kinds of uh, places in which we are, we find ourselves in small groups that we don't have any control over per se, and we are um, therefore confronted personally with their shortcomings, sins, the areas that they're faithful, the areas that they struggle, and then the same thing is true for that neighbor that is right next to us. Um, Pastor Steve Wilkins would often say. That it is easier to love your neighbor across the street than the one lying in the bed next to you. Why? Because we don't know them, right? We're not confronted by their selfishness as much. You get to kiss the one in the bed. That's true. <laughs> that's uh, that's common grace there. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. Well, well, that's just the point, right? That's why I said in one sense, you know, loving, kissing the one lying in the bed next to you, that's common grace. That is by the gift of God, a reflection of God's goodness and love that he puts in the world. Uh, when we talk about love, love is to the, to the building up of others um, by your own personal sacrifice by giving of yourself to the building up of others. And why that is hard, say, 
your own house with the other people inside that you're in a box you ever notice how you think oh I could I could deal with someone um, you know may, maybe uh, maybe in a, a larger room or, or even maybe around um, in, in a building somewhere but you wouldn't want to go on a 20-hour car ride with them right you ever been confronted with that I, I my point is that the smaller you make the group the more someone knows you right and so again we have to recognize something really important here in, in Chesterton's quote he is driving at the fact that in a small group our companions are chosen for us now we believe in the sovereignty of God is that right right so both on the larger scale, the stranger across the street or on the side of the road. Um, we believe those don't happen by accident. God places those people in our, in our lives to address and deal with. Um, and that's okay because even if we sacrifice a little right there, we might not have to see them again. But the real challenge is recognizing that God has chosen, and we rejoice in that when it's our spouse and our children most of the time, right? We rejoice that God's chosen them for us right but where we struggle sometimes is recognizing that the people in our church good bad and ugly those are people who've been chosen by God for you right so so we have to keep that in mind as a fundamental principle right just like you must be reconciled to God through Christ and that if you're married you have to be reconciled to your spouse if you sin against them the same thing rings true for the people here in this room in, the, in our congregation particularly for those that are members right and then um, you know for those that may be attending but aren't members yet adherents right those are your those who are professing faith, we are called by God to love one another. What does this have to do with what we're talking about today? Well, <clears throat> we're looking at uh, today um, from the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 25 of the church. We're going to attempt to get through one and two today. I think that's possible, um, depending upon the amount of questions that we have to interact with that. So this starts out with... Chapter 25, um, point one, the Catholic or universal church, which is invisible, consists of the whole number of the elect that have been, are, or shall be gathered into one under Christ, the head thereof, and the spouse, the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, remember the first week we talked about coming into looking at these doctrines relating to the Westminster Confession that uh, these distinctions, the, the writing of the Confession is helpful as a tool as it is, um, it has limitations, it doesn't override the Word of God, we can use the, the things like the Confessions as guardrails to help us on, with orthodoxy, but the pinnacle of the church was not 1647 they wrote the Westminster Confession, right? God is moving forward in this. 
and I just want us to remember the context. So there's a, there's a couple of things that it says here. It talks about the Catholic and universal church, right? So largely that is to say everyone that's part of the church um, worldwide, right? Not just a particular denomination. Now this is really important contextually because when they wrote the Westminster Confession, they had a variety of folks um, together, right? They had Puritans, they had Presbyterians, albeit a few, and they had the Church of England, right? They brought all these ministers together. They were trying to write it in such a way that, that everyone could get together and say, yes, we recognize that the church is greater than my denomination or my particular group. That's helpful, um, but we, we need to recognize there's a limitation as it, as it um, relates to taking the idea of um, invisible too far um, but but we'll come back to that a minute in a minute because he says you know it consists of the whole number of the elect right the whole number of the elect that have been are or shall be gathered into one under Christ as the head thereof and so he's, he's talking about how from all of history right from all those that have believed in faith to God for the deliverance of their sins through Christ Jesus, and even those who were looking ahead, right? What was credited Abraham righteousness? By faith, his belief that God was going to deliver him, right? That, that, that Yahweh was going to be the one, the one true God, and that he was going to bring a blessing to the world, salvation to the world through um, his seed. Um, and so we can look back and say there are a great many saints before us. As it says in um, Hebrews chapter 11, the great cloud of witnesses, right? All of the people throughout time is part of the church in the future sense, right? Because we don't know them. So one could say to a degree those folks are invisible to us. Um, but... There's, there's a ditch here coming up that we just need to guard ourselves from in this. So it says that have been, and of course, um, for many of us, we have an optimistic view of the future. Um, that's the position of the church. We have an optimistic view that the nations will be discipled and that limited atonement may be limited in time, but over time, more and more of the world will come to know Christ and be discipled. Course, we, we did spend some time last fall uh, discussing that to a certain extent, but I but I want us to uh, be mindful um, that you know th what this is talking about is there's a great deal of Christians in in the future, right? There'll be Christians that are going to come to know people that are going to come to know Christ, be discipled, be faithful, called out by God in the generations to come, and we draw. Um, as if you're a parent, right, you draw comfort in that. Am I right? Right? Whether your, your child is brand new and doesn't really rebel but has been baptized, you draw comfort that Christ is the one who calls. He is the one that keeps. Right? And so uh, we look forward to that. As you start having grandkids, you'll start thinking about that further. 
Um, you know, I think there's a place where all of us get where we recognize our mortality a little, a little better, right? Um, and you know, certainly, for uh, we were having a, a, a visit the other day with, with one of our most aged amongst us in our congregation, and we in the casual conversation, you know, that kind of led to that that this dear sister recognizes that there are fewer days ahead of her than there are behind her, right? We all come to that place where we recognize this and, and um, we are thankful for God's faithfulness um, to future generations as well. And of course, there's a few verses that the, that the Westminster uh, writers, I'm going to avoid the word divines because they're often referred to that. I think that puts them on this elevated place that I don't want to see us look at someone on. Uh, we can appreciate the work they did, but they weren't uh, divine in, in that sense. Um, but, but there are a number of verses that are, are, uh, the, the writers put to this. One is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, and the verses 22 and 23. Who would like to read that for us? Anyone? Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 10 and then verses 22 through 23. Okay, before you start reading it, the next one's going to be Ephesians 5, 23, 27, and 32. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10 and verses 22 and 23. So here, here the, the verse is speaking about two, or, or our verses here speak about two particular things. One, that in the fullness of time all these things will be so. In other words, that all of the, the church is going to be gathered. They're all, all the church in the fullness of time is under Christ, both things here on earth and in heaven, right? And then it goes on and talks about all things being put under his feet and that he, Jesus, is the head over all things, right? Uh, including the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And so, um, really, the, the lordship, the, um, the uh, groom, the bridegroom, um, is being spoken of here of Jesus and we should recognize that Jesus is all and that we are the bride of Christ. Uh, someone please read Ephesians 5, 23, 27, and So again, we hear the, we see the vision being casted, and if you remember, we spent this last fall um, in our sermon series working on the book of Ephesians with the theme being, what does it mean to be the church, right? So again, we see right here in the confession that it's got a heavy dose 
of Ephesians, even in this first point. And, and again, the bride uh, of Christ, us, the church, uh, Christ being the head, and that he has a particular work, and he's going to fulfill that work. He's going to take the church and make her without spot or wrinkle and present her as a glorious bride to the Father. Um, thank goodness that this is an ongoing work. He's justified us in Christ, right? We're made righteous by Christ. And at the same time, if we were to evaluate ourselves, we recognize that um, we are not sinless and that the work of Christ sanctifying us, working in us to confront our sin is an ongoing work, right? We're justified, thank, thanks be to God. But at the same time, um, there's an ongoing work to make us glorious so that he can present not just us as individuals, not just us as crack, but as in the entire body of Christ from now until the, the last judgment, he's at work and he's providing and he's working and he's going to take this huge body, all of us, the new temple, and present him to the Father, present us to the Father in a glorious way. Right, on that day, that's correct, at the very end. That's right, why it's talking about fullness of time and those kinds of things. Um, but it, it's trying, I'm trying to say that it, this, this part's timeless. It's, it's this large work that he's doing. It includes all of us as individuals, our local church body, and all the churches around us as well. One more uh, supporting uh, verse here. And it's up that they put down. It's Colossians 1.18. And I want to be careful about this, too. Don't think that these are the only verses that point to this. These are just uh, a few that they put in in support of this. So Colossians 1.18. Yes, ma'am. course again you see this Christ is the head right Christ is the head of the church the body that is all of us and so um, that brings us comfort he's doing the work he's done the work he's continuing to work in our lives his grace is abounding in us and um, why is all of this true well because um, he was the beginning he's the firstborn of the dead and that in all things, um, he might be, he has preeminence. He is Lord over everything. And, and we rejoice in this. And so, um, before we move to the next one, I want to talk about the potential ditch. Okay? Uh, especially in today's age, right? Of course, this is where context of something being written can be important. Um, I, I am certain that our brothers and sisters who were involved in writing this recognized that there were pagan lands and even within their own country people who were not serving Christ. That's, that's a certainty. But they had a general view, right, that the Christians um, that were there, that it was a Christian world, that in a Christian nation such as theirs, that largely people would um, be confronted with Christ and the church and that there uh, isn't this... Uh, this uh, distinction of, well, we know that 
we're all Christians, so so we're gonna, there's this this a Christian culture in place. Maybe is the best way to, to put it. Today, however, um, the idea of us being a, a single body it, it has been weakened. Right for a long time, um, I'd say most of my life, there's been an overemphasis, and you can fall in a ditch on either side, both. The, the church itself or the individual, right? Both can run amok. But individualism is Lord of the day, right? And so because of that, the idea that the church has any value to me as the individual has been really minimized. I think in large part because we've minimized baptism, we've minimized the Lord's table, we act as if that doesn't matter so much it's good to do at some point it has its value but but we minimize the sacraments and even the word that is preached right um you know part of this is we got this elevation of the word which is um hearing uh, god's word preached and taught but you know if it really comes down to it um just me and my bible is simply enough now it might be enough for the Lord to uh, speak to you, convict you of your sins, um, but the church itself is vital and important to your growth and maturity. Remember the beginning about having people chosen for us? What, more than anything else, what does God use to confront the sin in our lives? Right. I'm, I'm not minimizing the fact that the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us. But what points out, well, who does God use? God uses other people, whether it be pagans or whether it be Christians. But, but the advantage to Christians is they ought to be loving us and that their goal ought to be to see us, regardless of our sin, to confront it, to confess it, to be restored to the Father so we can be restored to them. Right? Yes, ma'am. understand your point. Yes, there is a ditch where um, we can say that for the sake of unity we compromise on everything and yes, usually the groups that are driving most for that are groups who don't hold uh, to God's word being holy, God's word and yet at the same time so we know that ditch is there at the same time as the Christian church we have to say who are my brothers, who are my sisters, even if they go to a different denomination, right? And so that, that's the whole thing. What is maturity? Learning how to step through things carefully without falling in the ditch, right? Whatever that ditch uh, may be. Um, so, but, but individualism has gotten to the place where we minimize the church. And I think one of the things that happened with, uh, with COVID is we, we created more isolationism by saying, hey, you can just go watch it online, 
and that's okay. Again, if you're providentially hindered, if you're sick, if you're homebound, if, if something's happened and you need to, uh, to stream the service, that's good. That's better than not, than not doing anything, and it's what God has provided, right? But that does not replace being with God's people, excuse me, on a Sunday morning, worshiping God, standing before Him, um, going through the, the, the steps of repentance, um, ascension, and peace with God. Um, and so um, that, that is important. Again, you can't take um, your finger and cut it off and expect in six months that the finger is going to still be alive, right? And, and this, this is really important. This is why... It's important for your elders, your pastor, to get out, visit those who are shut in, go and do a, a communion service with them. Ken and I did that with two uh, folks this week. Right? We go and we actually do a truncated or shortened covenant renewal service with them, confession of sins, um, the uh, ascending, being cut up by the word of God, some passages, maybe a small homily, and when I say small, small, some of you might say, well, why don't you do that on Sundays? Um, but um, then then uh, we, we do the Lord's service and we give a blessing, right? Um, that's important to do that. And, and it's, it's even better, I mean, you can do it with just like, and I've done it in times where it's been tough, me and one other person, but I usually try to take other people with me, Right? Um, so that we are um, we're doing it as the body, not just an individual. Yes. So, so I'm, I'm going to jump in here. 
I, I think this is important, right? Um, even if we even if we think that their teaching in some fashion is is hideous, right? Um, you know, I can say, well, they're claiming to be Christians, and I can simply they're not in my church, so I can't discipline them, right? I can't. But what can I do? I can get to know them and try to persuade them um, and and bring the, the scripture to them. I mean, I, I have a prayer meeting with other pastors every Wednesday um, from other churches, okay? Um, there are two other guys that I would call somewhat reformed in the group, and the rest, not even close. They love Christ. They've repented of their, their sins. They believe in the final judgment. You know, I would say in, in a general sense, although the nuances might be different, they'd agree with the five solas. But we pray together. And you know what? I suspect some of them, and I know some of their doctrine, is, is challenging. But, but at the same time, we need to see them as our brothers and sisters in Christ. So there, there is, a, there is you know, I'd say, I'm talking about a little bit farther. You're, you're talking about people that, I think you and Jonathan are talking about the same groups of people. But how do we interact with them? Um, and, and, of course, this is really important. You know, the wheat and the tares. Jesus talks about being careful in what you do. Because in an effort to pull out the tears, we can do all kinds of damage, right? And so I think one of the greatest things we can do, and I'm not saying you don't confront sin, right? But how you do it is important. Where you do it is important, okay? Um, but um, be careful. And if, and, if, and if our efforts to um, you know, present the truth are such um, that we're all our energies put in that and we're not praying for God to do the work we're in error because because I can get really in somebody's face about something and there are times I need to do that and have done that but if I'm not praying about it you know my vigor towards convincing them is not going to do one iota not one iota yes I think, I think it's remembering, too, that God brought us all from somewhere for all of us, right? We all started somewhere with our faith. God's continued to mature us. How did he do that? By having people come to us by his spirit and opening up our eyes and ears to his word and to hear what's being spoken to us and around us so that, that we can grow. You know, I. So, so here, here's what I would tell you. You know, for us in the reform world, you know, we we pull tight to uh, Martin Luther. I'm going to make an argument here just for a moment that if we look at the Christians worldwide, the body of Christ worldwide, most of them don't even know who Martin Luther is. Okay. Um, I, I think if the gospel is being preached and there's a revival going on. In China, some of the some of the implications of the work that Luther did m might be at work there, but 
but his name, not so much, right? Um, you know, in Africa, in the Eastern Church, and the Eastern Church has problems, and there's a lot of issues there, but are there, any, are there no Christians there? There's a lot that aren't. Are there no Christians? I don't know, right? So, so let, let's finish off point one today because, but, but uh, to, be, to be, listen, to be honest with you all, what is the point in doing this if we don't work it out together? If we don't talk about it and work these implications out, okay? We need to think about this. Oh, it is. It is, because what's, what's about to happen, and even what the, in terms of, the unbelieving spouse and sanctification towards that, towards our children, towards all of these things, um, those become much more clear and evident what's stated in um, in uh, point two. I just want, I want us to recognize that God has chosen you and called you out, along with all the other people in this room, right? Along with everybody that comes in here today and worships with you. But there isn't a special... There, you are specially called to one another in this place, in this room. Okay? And, and one, we need to see ourselves the importance of being in God's house together, for tarrying with one another, for loving one another through difficulties and challenges, and, and lovingly confront sin. And again, because of all of the confusion that goes on in our world about what love is and isn't, Right Today, the love is, don't challenge me on anything. Let me be whatever I want. Think whatever I want. Do whatever I want. And even those who embrace that recognize that there's a certain amount of limitations, but they really want those limitations to be on everybody else and not themselves. Right? Because when, when, you, when you walk out the, their, their way of viewing things, you say to yourself, um, what happens if the person who holds that wants to kill people? Well, you know, there's a limitation. And then the question goes, by what standard? Right? They're running amok because they've abandoned the standard of God's word. But, but loving someone is telling them the truth. Is telling them the truth. And, and that, that's, uh, of course, evident in, in today's sermon. We'll be going through John 3. Uh, today in our study of the life of Christ. But, I, but I, I want us to recognize that Christ is the head of the church. We are the body, and it's one body. Brothers, sisters, contend with one another. Be patient with one another. Be long-suffering with one another, right? These people have been chosen out specifically for you, and... You have been chosen for everyone else. That's sort of a hard saying in a degree, isn't it? But we should rejoice in that. Rejoice in that. We'll get a little more into the visible and invisible, visible and invisible distinctions um, here next week. Um, I think they were well intended uh, in this, but they also, I think, of our individualism get in a place where we say we don't need to be part of the local body. Uh, by the way, speaking of COVID and uh, you know, 
know, streaming services and all this. We all know some churches were already doing it to a certain extent. And almost everyone who survived through it did it in some manner. I know some churches, including one right down the road from here, who quit doing it because he recognized, he recognized the fact that it was causing a good deal of the young people in particular to go, well, you know, work's valuable. I do that on the screen. Um, I have a uh, imaginary social life on the screen. I get entertained on the screen. My reality is what's on the screen. Okay, and that is not, um, that's not the place um, for um, good health. That's why people of God, if you don't know who the shut-ins in our church are, talk to us. And I don't care if you, a bunch of you guys have only been here two years or less. So here's the deal. If you don't know who they are, find out who they are. I can guarantee you, certainly for one of our sisters, for sure, she doesn't have to know. She's already prayed for you. She's got a list. Right? But, but she would love to see you, love to see your kids. She couldn't have too many visitors. Well, maybe. But the point is, the point is that, that all of us should be finding out who those people are. If somebody's not here on a Sunday, do you notice? Do you make a list? Do you call them? Do you say, hey, what's going on? Oh, you were out of town. Great. Did you have a good time? Oh, you had a flat tire. Did you get that taken care of? Or, oh, you're sick. What can I do to help you? Or, and, and I encourage you, with your brothers and sisters here, all right, ask the question, how can I pray for you this week? How can I pray for you this week so that we can be strengthened through Christ, through service, through tangible means, right? We live in a world that wants to separate the spiritual from the physical, right? Our transformed hearts, the heart of flesh that comes from Christ, that he gives us, that the Spirit gives us, is to give us, uh, to, to take our bodies and use them in service of others, right? Tangibly, right? Shaking hands, hugging, cooking, cleaning, yes. I don't think it's it's not a secret who the members are. In other words, we don't hold that list like it's a secret. We're happy to, to share the list. Um, I, I But I also want to say this. That's helpful in one sense, but I would strongly encourage you to... we got people that are in transition working towards, uh, you know, membership, Right? Um, that I think that also might say to you, well, man, I wonder what's happening with this person if they've been going here for a long time and they're not members, right? That could, that could spark a question, too. But, I, but 
Yes. Sure. I understand what you're saying. I think, I think, I just, you know, always want to say um, priority and, right, wherever we can. Any other questions or comments? Yes. Um, is it Ben? Not an not in Orthodox church. I think part of it was ecumenical, right? Again, you've got that they were they were trying to shore up. I mean, remember that 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 the parliament is at war with the Catholic King, the Roman Catholic King, and they are trying to get as many people as they can, including soliciting um, the Covenanters, the Presbyterians from Scotland, to come down, and how they really got the the Scots to com commit their soldiers to the cause was to say, we're going to give you a seat at the table to help us formulate this book, right? These rules, right? So it's interesting that God uses, you know, what we might say is strictly political means as also a way to bring reformation to his church. Um, you know, we might think we've got a plan and a scheme, but God is at work. I also think it's important this to, to this. It's a reminder to all of us every single day that Jesus Christ is Lord, and he is Lord of you. And, and I mean that for myself as well, right? Are, are we living as, as if Christ is our head? I think, I think that's, that is an essential understanding of the church. And we get caught up, and all kinds of things become um, our priorities, um, idolatry is, is alive and well in the church today. And I tell us all, myself included, um, check your house for idols. Right? Check yourself to say, what am I trusting in as opposed to trusting in Christ? Um, I don't know if that's sufficient to answer your question. Are there other questions or comments? Yes. Uh huh. Right, which, which, which reforming something is really trying to conform us under Christ, right? We're being conformed to Christ Jesus. That ought to be our prayer 
for ourselves, for the members, adherents, and for the church worldwide that they be conformed to Christ Jesus. And uh, uh, yes, Satan's going to do all he can to stir up the divisions among us in this church and in our community, larger body of Christ as well. Um, don't don't be trying to drive the wedge yourself with vengeance, your own vengeance. But ask God to, to do the work. All right, we're going to close with prayer and uh, get ready for church. Our God and our Father, we give you praise. I thank you, O Lord, for your mercies. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us before the foundations of the world to serve you. Help us to love you with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and help us to truly love our neighbors as ourselves. Father, please prepare our hearts for worship and the renewal of your covenant promises with us. In Jesus' name.